millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. You're listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. This is Paul Hawksby, and this is the H&J Daily with some of the best bits of this afternoon's show. Well, uh, we were joined by uh, Times journalist, author, and former British number one table tennis player and Olympian Matthew Side. He was talking about Cristiano Ronaldo and the change to the Nike ball. He's not a massive fan, as uh, you'll discover. Well, of the ball. He certainly is of Ronaldo. Mike Parry joined us and covered quite a lot of ground, including uh, food snobbery, uh, Debbie Harry... And Everton, of course, as you'd imagine. Uh, We brought you some old clips from uh, 2005, which we hadn't heard since then, so we hope you enjoy those. And, of course, we had Stryker, uh, the uh, Steve Bruce murder mystery, another thrilling instalment. Plus, Andy and I had a bit of a chat about various things. This is how it all unfolded. Good afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon, Andy. Good afternoon, Paul. I watched that uh, Penenka. It was a kind of running Penenka. It wasn't the yeah. normal Penenka. It wasn't the run up to it, stop, chip. It was just run through the ball without stopping. It was an yeah. amazing. I thought he skill. was going to run straight in the net and pick it. I mean, it's against Jan Oblak, one of the best keepers in the world. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> that does take some you, cojones, doesn't it? Really? You always want the keeper just to stand there, don't you, just to catch it, but yeah. it didn't happen. It was interesting watching that game because uh, they had Albert Ferrer as the co-commentator, and he's yeah. oh, you know, very, very great knowledge. He's very technical. It was like a coaching session. At one point, I thought I needed a blackboard. Everything was so technical. It's all right. But he's good. He was good enough. And um, so you didn't stay with. You didn't stay with. uh, Oh no. Uh, when it ceased to become a contest after about, well, yeah. 15 minutes. Uh, but I think you saw the first half out, didn't you? I did, yeah. yeah. I saw yeah. the first two goals. And, uh, yeah. I mean, I was thinking about McAllister. We'll talk to Tim about this. I mean, he's come from playing at the Bombonera, you know, in front of those mad fans, the best atmosphere in the world, to an empty Amex. It must be quite hard, that. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. Still. Brighton United, I mean... I was at 3-0, Andy. Mm. They, they got going. Uh, they had a couple of chances, mm. but of course, I think the damage was done. And uh, I did say that uh, we have a write the book about this season, Tottenham. It will be called The Wrong Fernandes. Because, and it's always great to hear when a player's <laughs> hit the grounds running and is playing, playing brilliantly has made a massive material difference to another team. That The first club that we're going to buy him was Tottenham, but apparently uh, it was a bit pricey for us. So <sighs> we backed been. off and bought old Can slippers, you imagine? old Jedson. Slippers. I love, I love yeah. your description. When he came on the other week, I was thinking, "Here's slippers." Here even I'm thinking, slippers. "He's not even my player." But yeah. it is amazing, isn't it? You know, Daniel Levy must be thinking, you know, just a deal like that would have made all the difference to this great Tottenham team and this great yeah. manager. It was, it's madness. I think he's four years anyway, younger but... and about fifteen million euros cheaper. So uh, I'm, I'm sure that yeah, had a bearing the on the decision. I mean, maybe well, one exactly. day he might turn out to be. You know, you don't know. Yeah. Uh, now Chelsea have brought a new club shirt out today. It's uh, it's very nice actually. And um, I've seen it. Yeah, it's very nice with a black, yeah. the black sleeve and 
and collar and with a big yes. three symbol on it. Yeah, Big three, yeah. People aren't, the fans aren't happy about the three. But it's funny that they, they brought it out today because I was thinking last night, normally the new club shop, club shirt would be out by now and they've been delayed as well, which is fine for the Premier League clubs. But I thought for the lower league clubs, it's an income stream that they would have probably had. So I thought I'd go and check where the lower league clubs' shirts are on sale. So I thought, where better to start than Torquay? Yeah. So I went to the Torquay website. Do you know that Torquay wear Nike? They're sponsored by Nike. It's unbelievable, really. <laughs> I know. And the Black Centenary Special Edition shirt, very, very nice. But no, there, there isn't. <laughs> very I almost indignant, bought one. <laughs> very indignant producer in my ear saying, what's wrong with that as a, as a proud Torquay fan? I don't know if yeah. what did, I, I asked the producer, did Torquay pay Nike to wear it? Is that the nature of the deal? <laughs> they pay them it's the largest amount of money any club pays Nike to wear their kit it's fantastic shouldn't should they support a local company they should they, they, when they phone up for kit it should be someone on the phone saying oh it'll be there in half an hour be great wouldn't it it's a bloke who runs a pub and upstairs he knocks yeah. out the kit sorry I'm being a bit sorry Gary Johnson if you're listening to apologise Gary no I know what you mean like local anyway, hero it's, uh... yeah it's surprising clubs haven't brought them out. I suppose they think fans, you know, haven't got the funds to buy them at the moment. But that's it must be an income stream that's kind of missing. I thought I always like to look at the court circular during uh, yeah. Wimbledon. Well, I like to look at it the whole time, really, to see what the Duke of Kent's up to. Yeah. And he's not in there, but I can oh. <laughs> I can tell you he's at home watching Sue Barker's Wimbledon highlights on BBC Two. Would be my guess. Him and the missus are, will be bereft, <laughs> won't they? Especially the missus, the <laughs> so, Duchess of Kent. So, I mean, she is for me. She is. <laughs> If I look at the list, th- three, uh, come on, Tim, two, strawberries and cream, one, the Duchess of Kent, when I think of Wimbledon. So she must no, very be, true. what's she doing this week? I mean, the pubs aren't open. She's got, there's, there's nothing to do for her, is it's there, a, it's, really? It's a problem, you know, it really is a problem. Do you see the Queen is in the crowd at uh, Millwall? Because she is a bit is of a she? troublemaker. <laughs> yeah, somebody's, somebody's put the queen, and she's in a No Millwall one likes kit. me, I don't care if she's singing. Do you see Danny yeah, no Kelly's one likes in there? One. He thinks his old mate Danny Baker has paid for him to go in there. So it's, oh, really? It's, it's Danny sans glasses without his bins on. And he's in here. Yeah, he's, he's in the crowd. Seen Apparently, that. it's very good. Almost certainly that's Danny Baker, isn't it? Yeah, it's yeah, got to yeah. be, I would have thought. Yeah. So she's in the shirt, the Queen. She, got, she looks pretty decent. So mm. somebody's gone to a lot of trouble, which is which is nice. Uh, you mentioned Sane there. <laughs> it's sometimes the headline. Some of the subs can be a bit too clever, can't they? So the headline of was something like... I'm doing brilliant. Oh, yeah. Sane's in the money, M-U-N-I. And I was thinking, Sane's in the Mooney? What, moon, moon, what <laughs> are you talking about? the Mooney, yeah. Because <laughs> he's going to Munich, so money's oh. spelt like Munich. So he's doesn't in the work, Mooney. That one <laughs> doesn't, doesn't work, work at all. Yeah. Really confused me. And I like, normally they explain the headlines. And when they do one like that, it's completely baffling. Yeah. They don't bother to explain it. So there you go. They could Surely have they could have worked on something like Bayern. Uh, who's Bayern Sane? I don't know. It's not, it's not yeah. great either, but, you know, I'm, I'm not a sub on a newspaper. I'm just sitting here. That's very head. true. But you know really. what I mean? It was better than the Moony thing, isn't it? It's terrible. No, it's, it's right, really. Yeah. Uh, Eric Cantona is tipped to be an I'm a celebrity. Can you see that? I can't see that. So that's one of those stories, isn't it? That would be fun. They do have good collars on those shirts, though, they wear. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Now, yesterday we discussed this new Nike ball. They're boasting that it will bring the end of the Mm. knuckleball. Those uh, set pieces, mainly, that we see from the likes of Cristiano Ronaldo and David Luiz and Gareth Bale and others, where they get real dip and swerve and movement uh, on the ball. 
Uh, and Andy was sort of saying yesterday, he sort of applauded it. He thought it would level up the playing field. But Matthew Side, the Times journalist and <laughs> author, of course, is not so sure. He thinks it stifles uh, sporting innovation. And very pleased to say he joins us now. Good afternoon, Matthew. Good afternoon. Uh, great to speak to you. I'm actually in the studio at the moment, in the Ooh. presenter's chair, looking out over, over London. And I, I'm sorry not to see you in person, but um, it's an interesting debate, this one, isn't it, on, mm. on innovation? Because, I mean, what, I have to say, one of the reasons that I was slightly dubious about this new ball, which will mitigate this wonderful uh, technique that Ronaldo developed... Is, is from table tennis. They always kept changing. Whenever any player did something really interesting and innovative, they would change the rules to kind of stop you doing it in the future. And, and so I kind, of, I kind of don't like that way of administering the rules. I think it should go with the grain of the way that players are doing new creative things. Yes, in your piece in the Times today, you talked about this guy Jan Ove Wildner. I'd never heard of, um, <laughs> and I'd never. I'm, I'm going to go and check him out. Is there some YouTube footage of him? kind of working some of these techniques. Explain what he did, because it's fascinating. Well, so Waldner, uh, to give you the right pronunciation, yes. um, <laughs> is, a, is the greatest yeah. table tennis player of all time. And, of course, table tennis was dominated by China from the 1950s onwards. And then this Swede turns up and started doing, first of all, what's called the behind-the-back serve. So normally you would serve the ball and your opponent would be able to see you hitting the ball. But imagine turning your back to your opponent so that you throw the ball up your opponent can't see the ball. You then strike the ball, but as you strike it, you rotate your body so it can then go on its path over the net. But your opponent hasn't seen how the batter's struck the ball, so doesn't know what spins on it. So it was an absolutely shocking new way to serve the table tennis ball. And if you're following the logic so far, the ITTF, the International Federation, banned that serve, so Waldner adapted it again. And it was kind of a cat and mouse between the very crusty rules administrators and this wonderful kind of Picasso-esque um, guy who kept reimagining the sport and I was always on Vaudner even though Vaudner <coughs> kept beating me easy if you go to if you go to Google and put Vaudner v Matthew side you'll see him thrashing me in the European <laughs> Championship final circa 1992 oh, have a look at that it sounds good uh, the only thing I'd say is he, he was still using a ball that basically had a true flight to it. This this ball that they've been using for the past few years, it's not fair on goalkeepers. You go back, I was saying yesterday, Matthew, you go back to watch old World Cups. Go and watch what the ball in 1970. What Brazil did with that ball was brilliant. But it was a normal ball. When you hit it, it stayed straight. These, they don't. They start wobbling in a most ridiculous way. Yes. I, I, I can't think that that's good for, for the game. But, I mean, I, I get your idea. I do agree with you about innovation and style. And you, you mentioned the Fosbury flop, for example, mm. I mean, when people first saw that it looked absolutely counterintuitive it looked mad didn't it mm. but we, sport would be nothing without those things but I, I do think the you know the ball it's, it's like having a cricket ball isn't it that that's, yeah. you know that's got ridges in it I, I i can't think that would be right look i wouldn't die in a ditch for the for the knuckleball <laughs> but i'll tell you what I, what I admired about ronaldo's because in, in 2015 i interviewed him and i asked him about this technique and he said that one of the things that had changed his career was going to manchester united and watching the work ethic of Gary Neville, uh, Ryan Giggs, uh, Philip Neville. He said they weren't the most talented players in the world. I mean, the two Neville brothers particularly, but they would stay after training and work on their technique. And so he started practicing this free kick. And when the new ball came in, he realized 
that by hitting it in a particular way, he could make it behave, as you say, Andy, in, in an unusual way and perhaps slightly unfair to the goalkeeper. But he worked on it and worked on it, and he said it spent hours and hours on this. And I just think it's, it can be unfair when you change the rules to deny a player who has built through painstaking adaptation, a particular technique. That seems to me just a, a, a tad unfair. You also mentioned golf today, Matthew, and, and Tiger Woods and the way that he, he burst onto the scene and was fitter and he cared about diet and the way the, yeah. the swing and the advantages he got from working so hard. But we've got this situation now with golf where they are thinking of, of changing the ball. So many of the great championship courses, because the balls are being hit so far by the players now, are mm. not fit for purpose. So they are, are having to address it in some way to, to level the playing field. Yeah, I don't mind that at all. I mean, it was the same with the javelin. People were getting so good at throwing the javelin, they'd have ended up throwing it into the, <laughs> into the crowd. So they, <laughs> they changed the construction of the javelin, so it's continued to land on the grass. Um, But the thing that really annoyed me about the early emergence of Tiger Woods is it wasn't like the balls and the uh, the the I forgot what they called golf clubs. Yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so long sticks. since I played. Just go with sticks. We'll get away with that. <laughs> um, you know, you can sort of understand why they would want to make sure that these courses are still playable. I get that. But when Tiger came along, it was about trying to disadvantage Tiger personally. We need to Tiger-proof the equipment and we mm. need to Tiger-proof the course. And what they were worried about is Tiger was so good and he was hitting it so far. And as you say, he had reimagined the biomechanics of golf in such a remarkably breakout way um, that they were trying to rein him in. And the mistake was that this beautiful new way of playing golf was inspiring a new generation of fans to come into golf and people to tune in on television. I mean, what they would do for a Tiger Woods, a young Tiger Woods coming into golf today, hmm. I mean, it would be marvellous. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, not, no, absolutely. And, I mean, actually, when you think about it, not just the way he played, but the fact that this was somebody from a mixed-race background and the predominantly white sport, hmm. um, he really shook it up. And I, I, I really didn't like that discourse. He would get to the Open each year and the back page would be you know how can we tiger proof golf without saying you know how can we use this incredible um mm. you know appealing figure to build the game in new markets it seemed to me crazy tell you what is interesting your the stats that you've got in your article it's 55 direct free kicks cristiano has scored for club and country 33 for real madrid 13 for manchester united nine for portugal uh none for Juventus by the look of these stats so does that mean the ball in Italy is different <laughs> or he's just gone off <laughs> good yeah. question I don't know that's yeah. interesting that was in my article was it those stats I can't remember yeah, putting those, those stats tell you what that's a very good sub editor saving me there because I, that wasn't in the well, original it, copy maybe it's a graphic off the uh, column possibly yeah but, it's a graphic it's a yeah. graphic in the picture uh, off the column it is yeah. I mean but yeah. what, one thing I did notice on Twitter today is somebody said that the uh, a, a real very good stato had looked at the proportion of goals scored by Ronaldo in relation to the number of free kicks taken, and it was something like only 60% of the goals scored by Messi when Messi mm. has free kicks. So his actual his hit rate, if you like, is quite low. be interesting to get... I'm sure somebody could do this on Twitter. be interesting to see who has the best hit rate, you know, between a Beckham and a, and, and a Messi and some of the other great free kick takers of the last 20 years. Um, because we often remember the really 
amazing free kicks like that Ronaldo one against Portsmouth or Beckham against um, who was it in 2000? Greece, wasn't it? Greece, yes, yeah. yeah. Um, what a goal that was, by the way. I mean, when you think about it, Beckham missed about six free kicks in that game and then kept going for it. He had real resilience, that guy. He was just um, building up the drama. He was doing that on purpose. He, he knew, was, he was. He knew the big moment was coming. But that's another Matthew, guy, by the way. Um, hmm. Sorry, you probably want to move on now. But Beckham's another guy who... who um, was incredibly disciplined in the way he built that technique. I mean, when mm. he started doing it with his father, um, Ted, in the field near where he lived, I mean, they were really systematic about the contact point, boot on ball, to try and create the curve. I mean, these things don't sort of happen automatically. It takes incredible willpower to build a technique of that, that brilliance. Absolutely. Well, always good to talk to you. And we Thank appreciate you. you popping in to see us. And, we'll, and we will catch up with you soon, Matthew. Thanks very much. All the best. Thank you. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from Talk Sport. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from TalkSport. The TalkSport Clips of the Week. Yes, these are those dusty old mini-discs I've been telling you about that uh, emerged recently. And this is the last set, really, from this sort of era, 2005. Maybe there could be some more that will uh, resurface or we'll get some others uh, dumped down, digitised, as I believe uh, the boffins call it. And maybe we'll bring you some more. But um, for now... um, and we don't know, I don't know if this is the barrel being scraped or we're going out with a bang. We'll find out because we've not heard these since 2005. But we do begin with Rodney Marsh on drive, setting a quiz question. The TV series Casualty is set in which fictional British city? Um, Bristol. <laughs> I'm fairly certain Bristol exists, aren't you? You knew it was coming. You knew it was yeah. coming. <laughs> this is Ian Collins looking ahead to that night's Mike Dickin show. Uh, Mr. Dickin, 10 o'clock. Uh, it's the Big Friday Dickin blowout. And if you fancy a large portion of uh, the Dick Man. Yeah, probably better nicknames for, for uh, you know, as I'm sure you were well aware at the time. Uh, here's uh, Alan Brazil Sorry. now. 
to give you a pointer until now, uh, our most valuable auction was for a free load, a free lander. Sorry, I'm thinking you big a free load a lander. <laughs> I, I do love the old. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's unbelievable. <laughs> it's barefaced. It's great, isn't it? Good the Lord. old Land Rover freeloader. Fantastic. It's <laughs> yeah. Alan's car, isn't it? Uh, Graham yeah. Beecroft here talking music. Anyway, it might be worthwhile reminding people of the top selling albums of all time. This is worldwide, not just here in the United States. Beaky, you don't Where? live in the United States. You live in Liverpool, man. It's not the United, United States, States of Liverpool. Um, over to uh, Andy Townsend now with his take on Wayne Rooney. I mean, let's be honest, because Wayne is, 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 Wayne is what he is, and he's a phenomenal player. But he's, he will still every now and again go... Will he? <laughs> Why would he do that? He's still doing it, apparently. It's Big Al now yeah. with a nuanced take on the French riots that were going on at the time. Uh, what about, um, oh, again, in, in France last night? Scott, it's just got... I think the uh, police have got a shoot to kill. Oh, God. I don't think they have, Al, really. It's a bit... <laughs> it's a bit drastic, isn't it? It's a bit much, isn't it, really? Um, yeah. Here's uh, one-time kick-off presenter Gab Marcotti linking to the travel in utterly bizarre fashion. Quarter past seven, and I'm not a very big fan of, of Sienna Miller, uh, even less so now that um, she's wearing this weird Charlie Chaplin hat. Um, but anyway, she might be out on the road, so um, maybe uh, Kelly Windsor Bergen has spotted her as she gives us her traffic update. Seamless, wasn't it? <laughs> weird. That's the way again. Always oh, taking that classic Sienna Miller route into the travel. We've all done it, haven't we? Very um, strange. This, this is, is the, the much, much love. Yes. Oh, it's, it's me, isn't it? Is it you? Oh, no, it's, no, it's you. Oh, Sorry, Andy. You carry on. You carry oh, it's all right. Yes, we both miss him, though. It's the much-missed Jack Bannister now, our former cricket correspondent with his England squad predictions. If Vaughan can't play, Bell does, and therefore I'd bring over somebody like Solanke, who's coming in the one-day squad at the end of the month anyway. So I think it'd be Solanke, but Michael Bell will play. Good old Michael <laughs> Bell. Hybrid, right. yeah. Go on. Uh, and uh, returning to uh, Alan Brazil again with news of a competition winner and the good news was he'd won an SAS style weekend we think by the way yesterday Derek Edwards from Innsworth won a SAS weekend for him and his mate what's a SAS weekend <laughs> was it a sassy weekend um, he was a Scotsman who'd won a, a weekend in England or I don't know maybe yeah. Probably thinking about it a bit too much. And finally, it's Beaky once again turning to the subject of music. Well, you got the you got the first one half right. It was Rolling Stones, yes. Brown Sugar, it was the second oh, one, yeah. famous one. Jimi Hendrix and Voodoo Child. And I wouldn't have got the third one, but Al knew it. Linrid Skinrid. <laughs> Linrid Skinrid. <laughs> Linrid Skinrid. <laughs> oh yeah. I He's made like it sound very East Lanks, isn't he? Uh, just, it's like Bumble uh, was doing it, wasn't it? Really. Linrid Skinrid, Sweet Home Alabama. Very good. Uh, so they weren't bad actually for the final crop. Yes. Maybe we'll, we'll, we'll get a few more digitised and bring you a few of those and dot them around in, in uh, the coming months or so. But anyway, it's time for Striker. We must bring you Striker, Steve oh, Bruce's wow. ongoing murder mystery, episode 67. And this is a book written by uh, Steve Bruce, one of three that uh, the Newcastle manager wrote whilst still a Manchester United player in the late 90s. Tells the story of the Lettersford Town manager Steve Barnes and uh, the death of his star striker, the murder of his star striker, Pat Duffy. He was a suspect at one point. So let's pick it up where we left off. Steve Barnes has finished questioning his captain, Martin Thornton, 
uh, and the mother uh, of his child, Michelle, that's Martin's child, not Steve's, uh, about the murder of star striker Pat Duffy. It is. Yeah. <laughs> Confused you will be. And he's about to depart the training ground to return home to his family. His family, not Martin's. It was Wednesday evening, and I'd still not discovered who had killed Pat Duffy. I stood up and stretched, you know, a bit like the, the mice on the barrel organ from Backpuss. I told Martin and Michelle to try and sort things out together. I gestured toward the door. Martin and Michelle stood up, in her case with more agility than I would have expected from a woman so far gone with child. Still, what did I know of such things? The door closed behind the young couple. A pair of star-crossed lovers, I said to Julie. She looked surprised. That sounds clever, Steve. You have a way with words. Oh, not me. Old Bill Shakespeare. Since when did you... When I was at school, I replied. Romeo and Juliet was a set text. So, when you reach home, you'll sit and read Shakespeare? Or tonight, it'll be EastEnders on telly, I said. And then a good night's sleep. I locked the office door as we left. See you tomorrow morning, Julie said. Or one last thing, get a message round to all the squad. Training, tomorrow. Will do, Julie said. She's a good PA, and I knew I could rely on her. Bit like Alan Partridge and Lynn. The fleet car was waiting round the back. The driver made a careful exit. The rain was starting again. As he headed for the motorway, I rehearsed the events of the day. I found myself thinking about the job of being manager. I had to admit that I loved it. Yet, when you take on such a post, sacrifices have to be made. It ought to be a job for monks. There's little enough time for the family. There are pressures from players, from non-playing colleagues, from the supporters club, from the chairman, especially the chairman, in many clubs, and from the media, who can assist with positive coverage or begin to undermine you in many ways. Are you listening, Adrian Durham? <laughs> yeah, that's Ian Danter, of course, as Steve Bruce bringing to life. He yeah. does editorialise uh, now and again, but well, Steve we, did say old Bill Shakespeare. That was uh, one of yeah. his. Big, big Billy Shakespeare. What a player he was. I think yeah. uh, Lynn, the secretary, may well be the murderer. I think she's like a... No, that's know. Lynn from Alan Partridge. That's not That's not, <laughs> not Lynn. What's her name? It's, it's Julie, isn't it? It's PA. It's Julie. <laughs> we'll, have to, we'll have to make this your mastermind subject, the, the books of Steve Bruce. <laughs> Uh, when you're on there, Andy, that would be good. That wouldn't oh, be yeah, great, though, with Don't Ask Me. Would it? The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from TalkSport. Hawksby and Jacobs here on TalkSport. That, of course, is Blondie and uh, Debbie Harry. Uh, happy birthday to her. She'll be mentioned in dispatches as we chat to uh, Evertonian Mr. Mike Parry. Good afternoon, Mike. Hi guys, and that is a terrific track you've just played there, sung by a terrific woman in a terrific group, which actually bamboozled, you know, most of the world for the, the decade that they were right up there at the top. Mm. Yeah, t- 75 years old, Mike. You, you, I mean, Danny Kelly said yeah. a great picture earlier on. I'd never seen it before. She used to be in a kind of um, folk rock band called Wind in the Willows when she had long black <laughs> hair rather than the kind yeah. of short blonde yeah, really? hair. Hell yeah, it's a brilliant picture. Yeah. I've never seen it before. But you, you I, were a I, fan, Mike, yes? Oh, huge fan. I met her only once in New York, and it was under mm. very sad circumstances because um, what happened was she was going out with a member of the group, uh, yeah. the guy who was a, a guitarist. I think his name was Chris somebody. And, it was, yeah. um, 
Yeah. He, he had a very, he had a very strange illness. His bones were turning to iron. I know that sounds ridiculous, but it was it was it was a shocking illness which went on for two or three years. And um, in those days, when I worked in New York, we had everybody on the payroll. And a limo driver, right, who'd been um, taking her around town because they didn't actually live in New York, but he was in this hospital for specialist treatment, gave me a call and told me just taken Debbie Harry. Uh, to the New York um, hospital, which specialised in this. So I went there and uh, and saw her. And, it, you know, it wasn't one of those happy occasions. But, I mean, she was fantastic, you know, beautiful. She was actually in disguise. I nearly missed her because right. she didn't want to be seen in the hospital. You know, and, 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 I mean, let's face it, Debbie Harry only has one image. That's a flock of blonde hair. That's why the group mm. is called Blondie, you know what I mean? Yeah. But she had dark glasses on. She had a hat on. She was dressed literally like a bag lady to make people think she was a kind of down and out, honestly. And, and I had to use all my enormous powers of observation, being a trained yeah. observer, to actually find her and talk to her. But, but she was terrific, you know. Um, know Mike, are considerable, Mike, your powers of observation. They are considerable. They are. Yeah, they yeah. are. Believe me, I, I was training it for years. But the my great colleague who I do my uh, podcast with, Life on Planet mm. Porky, who is Leslie Ann Jones, has met just about every great rock star in the world, spoke to her this morning. And in our pod- podcast on Friday, Leslie Ann's going to tell us about the three days she spent in Manhattan um, with uh, Debbie Harry in Happier Times. And they just went off on the town together for three days for a piece that Leslie Ann was writing. Oh, brilliant. Nice one. We're going to yeah. talk Everton. Yeah. Got Leicester tonight. And I don't know if you've seen yes. it, Mike. It's a little clip of a, a journalist in uh, Carlo Ancelotti's press conferences asking him to pay tribute to Luke Garber, who has left the club right. after 11 years. And yes. Carlo says, who? Yes, I know, yeah. <laughs> hey, Luke Garber has seen the funny side. He said, look, I, I blame the club, not, not Carlo. But 11 years he's yeah. been at the club and he'd never heard of him. Well, he's one of those sort of fringe players, wasn't he? Never quite made it. And actually, um, there's been a bit of Twitter traffic on Luke Garbutt leaving and nobody said a bad word about the boy. So Mm. even though he didn't establish his career there and make himself a regular, right, he did always get 100%, you know, feedback from training at the effort he put in and how he tried. Everybody at Everton loves him. And uh, I want to personally thank him for all his efforts because without a, a, a load of players in your squad, who aren't turning out every week with the blue shirt on, you wouldn't have a squad. I've got a great story about Leicester Fellows because um, in our glory days, I'd Hmm. just been away somewhere because I was chief foreign correspondent of the Daily Express and somebody had been bombing me or shooting me or something like that, you know. So... um, so I had a new girlfriend, and she she came with me to Leicester. We, I said, come on, we're going to Leicester to watch Everton. It was afternoon. So on the way up to try and impress her, we stopped at this great country house hotel for lunch. Mm. And guess what? Parked outside was the Everton team coach. Wow. I could not believe it. You know, I didn't know it. I was, you know, it was, I mean, I've been like a schoolboy when I'm around Everton all my life. I am mm. even now. I, you know, my knees go weak now if I'm in the company of Everton's manager or something like that, you know. So anyway, we go in this hotel. We're in one dining room and I asked the mayor to do where Everton were. And he said, oh, they're in the private room there. So being smarter than the average bear, I sent the girlfriend in, right, because she was a very good looking girl and said, look, go in there and tell them you're an Everton fan. Get hold of the menu and get them all to sign it for me, please. So... She did, right? She did. She came out with a few, you know, autographs. But then in the car onto the game, and she'd been smiling a lot, and I couldn't understand why, she told me that an Everton player had asked her for her number, right? Oh. Yeah. 
So, so an Everton player was trying to steal my girlfriend, right? Wow. And I got pretty upset about Ooh. it. Anyway, this uh, this young lady actually worked in the features department at the Daily Express, mm. and I was worried. Oh, I said to her, I said, "Did you give that player your number?" She said, um, "Well, you know," I, and I thought, "I bet she has," you know. So. <laughs> Yeah, so so I went round to see my compatriot, the, the features editor of the Express, and I said, mm. look, I want you to keep a very keen ear on any personal phone calls your secretary gets over the next couple of days, because yeah. I think an Everton player is trying to steal my girlfriend, right? <laughs> and, uh, you know, that could have been a diplomatic situation between me and Everton. Fortunately, or unfortunately, the relationship didn't last long. Oh, that's a shame. Did she oh, marry or move? Did she get involved any Evertonian players? Any Everton players? You know. Well, I, 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 I don't know if, if she did. I never found out about it, so I prefer to lay it to rest. You don't want your heroes to be suddenly no, your indeed. enemies, do you? No, that's mm. true. That's true. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Now we've all, uh, Mike. We've all been doing a lot of cooking, or a lot of us have Indeed. during lockdown. We can't go out to eat. Uh, you're, you're no exception. Uh, exactly. and, uh, you know, you look. You made an attempt at a very interesting Sunday lunch, but you've got a bit of stick for it. Well, yeah, I just can't understand it. There's all these food snobs all over the place, right? So we're in hard times and all that, and everybody's got to, you know, you know, batten down and all that kind of stuff. And I had this fantastic piece of beef for the mm. Sunday roast. Fabulous, yeah. even though I say it myself. Fantastic, top I can look in that picture of it now. It's enormous, like de- desperate yeah, damn. That's a, um, a lot for one person. It is, really. Well, it, it, it lasts about four days, actually, or a bit longer and all that kind of stuff. And you can freeze it and put it away. But I don't deal with that. Fortunately, my housekeeper's back now after lockdown, so she sorts all that out, you know. Um, I haven't got a problem. But, you know, I had a few vegetables there and a few mushrooms and a bit of smoked salmon as a starter and a big tub of mash, mean smash, okay? Yeah. <laughs> or smash, mean smash, I think, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't think and, that's and I, right either, but never mind. You're yeah. close, yeah. No, I think you're right. But yeah. the point is, I yeah. can't see the point of wasting fuel and energy, boiling a load of potatoes and then smashing them up and, and uh, turn them into mashed potato when you can get it out of a cardboard tub. Uh, and I've been having it for years. <laughs> I've been having it for years. I love it. I think it's great. It's, and, and, and it means I can absolutely manipulate the consistency of it how much butter how much milk how much pepper how much cinnamon if i want it how much basil don't mention uh, cinnamon yeah no don't mention cinnamon don't That's put right. cinnamon in it mike you've got you've got previous with cinnamon <laughs> yeah. and um and, and, and i couldn't understand the snobbery 150,000 people got back to me, and I would say 149,700 of them called me a peasant um, for eating my smashed potato. And I quite, I quite object to that, although, of course, I do revel in the title, fellas, man of the people. And men of the people eat potato out of a cardboard tub, without a shadow of a doubt. In fact, my mother yeah. told me during the war... and. Uh, yeah, I, I, maybe your parents have, or maybe yours, Andy, have said something about like this. They used to have yeah. powdered egg, apparently, because there were no oh, eggs, yeah. during How, oh, how yeah. on earth do you, how'd you turn egg oh. into powder? Oh, exactly, exactly. That's I mean, right. I mean the, the, <laughs> my nan, she didn't, my nan didn't see a banana for six years, she told me. The odd thing was, it was between 1984 and 1990. So I've, got no, I've got no idea what went on. No idea, no idea what went on. <laughs> so, Mike, what, what about tonight then against the mighty Leicester? 
Uh, do you, how, how do you fancy your chances? You got that win against you're back on the winning trail, aren't you? After the, I, uh, I the think last game? I think Everton, I think Everton looking very good, handled herself well against Liverpool. And let's face it, you know that's something you can boast about these days. Liverpool, very very outstanding football team, going to dominate for the next couple of years. Thought we handled ourselves very well. And I thought we did what was required against Norwich. I wasn't aware until after the Norwich game that um, Carlo's son is actually a genius at working out the set-piece moves, you know, oh. uh, the corners and the free kicks, in which we've scored half our goals since Carlo got here. So let's uh, hope that keeps going on. I think we'll do Leicester tonight for a couple of reasons. I think Everton are on a bit of a roll. It's always hard to tell when you're, you're not getting crowd reaction and all that kind of stuff. But also, I think Leicester have deflated, haven't they? Um, yeah. You know, since, since, uh, just before lockdown, they hit a bit of a downturn. And uh, I think the, the downturn may still be there. I have to say, fellas, and hmm. I hate to get political on this show because I'm not going to, but um, should Leicester play at home on Saturday now that the city's been locked down again because they've been yeah, given the been go ahead about to it. Yeah, they feel, yeah, they, yeah. feel they can at the moment because of the protocols they have in place. They feel they can safely get in yeah. and out. I mean, I think it's a bit yeah. of a watching brief and I think they've been saying about the racing next Tuesday. They, yes, There was a bit yes, of pushback absolutely. on that yesterday from a lot of the trainers and stuff uh, who felt it shouldn't yeah. have gone ahead. So yeah. they're gonna, and yeah, I, I know hmm. if the game was the other way around tonight and it was at Leicester, I wouldn't be talking to you now. I'd be on my way up to Merseyside and I would throw myself in front of the Everton team bus uh, oh. before they'd be allowed to leave and go to Leicester because I don't, you know, I, I don't think it's uh, necessarily a good thing. What a pity, what? fellas, about Wigan, huh? Oh yeah, that is that is, that is a bit of a oh, blow yes. actually. Yeah, with uh, with poor old Dave Whedon was on with Jim earlier on, and he had to break the news uh, to him. So uh, maybe he's talking uh, about him. I mean, the Wigan fans feel he could be a knight in shining armour. But Mike, we're going to have to leave it there. Always lovely to talk to you. Thanks very much. All right, guys, thank you very much indeed. And mash means smash. There we are. Uh, if you learn nothing else, I mean, in isn't the it for four match get smash? Yeah, that's isn't what it, it was, that? Andy. Exactly right. You're quite <laughs> iconic advertising <laughs> campaign. Fantastic. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from Talk Sport. There we are. That was this afternoon's show. We return tomorrow from one. Hope you can listen. But if not, the podcast will be available, as always, at around five. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Hear the guys every weekday between 1 and 4 p.m. on TalkSport. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.